yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewish jokes, we can't go one conversation without me bringing up the Holocaust. It's so true. Different dads are podcasting. Our apologies, everyone. Uh, the network has informed us that last episode they did not appreciate the stains. Jenna Cannell, you're up next on Guess That Movie. I like that you joined in there. That was good. I, this is this is my favorite game show. I've I've been wanting to be on it for years. This is a dream. Okay. Well, we're going to put sixty seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I've I've never been more ready for anything in my life. <laughs> That's don't put so much pressure Just on yourself. Oh. I'm not. I'm not ready, but let's do it anyway. Yeah, no, we prefer that you be unprepared, ready. Three, I'm two, starting okay, early. Well, Drew Barrymore befriends sentient foreskin. E.T. Gross. <laughs> a cowboy and astronaut vie for a young boy's attention. Is this Midnight Cowboy? No, wait, this is a uh, Toy Story. Yes, it is. Two long-lost friends become lovers and topple cat patriarchy. Cat patriarchy. Aristocats? I, Cats by itself? Wait, cat patriarchy. I honestly I don't, know. don't know. I don't know. Either. Oh, wait, uh, Fievel goes west. Yes! Wait, is that actually it? <laughs> it's gotta be a Fievel thing. Vietnam veteran loves chocolate. That's Forrest Gump. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Man teaches woman to spit. She watches him and countless strangers die slowly. Oh, uh, what? Uh, My Fair Lady? No, this one's Titanic. Oh, 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 oh. I liked my version of that better, <clears throat> but that's fine. Well, I'll do it another time. I... <laughs> <laughs> home gar home gardener and dairy enthusiast befriends child in wholly appropriate manner. Oh, uh, um, uh, Leon the Professional. Mm, yes. Okay. Um... You know what? Last one. The the buzzer went, but last one. I appreciate it. Keanu Reeves totes unchecked Messiah complex. The Matrix? Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought in in light of the coronavirus, um, I wanted to tell you about a, not a virus, but kind of a zombie parasite. Oh, yeah. That's how I'm pitching it. That's how I'm pitching a, it. Uh, um, a fungus of sorts, perhaps. No, 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 no. What? A, a creature of the deep. This is a motherfucking sea creature. It's not actually a zombie or a parasite, but it reminds me of both of those things. Uh, and that's why it's neat. It is the hagfish. Go on. Are you aware of this? Seen this? Heard about this? Yeah, they're pretty ugly. They're horrific. So I thought instead of trying to make you laugh this month, I would try to give you nightmares. So <laughs> uh, also... Is this revenge for last month? Yes. <laughs> No, but that's a good idea. Oh. So there's actually a holiday for this motherfucker. The third Wednesday in October is Hagfish Day. Oh. Um, so we're a little early, but maybe, you know, uh, people can listen to this one again in October. Uh, very festive. So 
The hagfish, I do want to be clear, are not to be confused with hogfish. Okay. Hogfish are actual fish. Hagfish look like a dick. They're these slime-producing eels. They can grow anywhere from an inch and a half to a fucking terrifying four feet. Mm-hmm. Horrific. Um, do you know about them already? Do you know about why they're fucking crazy? No, I need you to tell me more. I just looked up images. Hey, stop it. Don't do not do that. No. Im- I'm here to paint a picture with words. Well. A poetic, a prose. You said it looked like a dick. It does look like, oh, and that's why you wanted to. Well. I see. I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's, aren't we all? They look so, like sea creatures. They are sea creatures, but like. The most okay. Let me let me let me let me tell you about that. Do your thing. These guys, because they are just just terrifying. Yeah. They're just okay. So this is one of the craziest things about them. They are one of the no. They are the only known living animal that have a skull but no spine. Okay. And no jaw. Which is crazy. I'm now imagining, uh, like, a human skull without a jaw, just sort of swimming through the ocean depths. Yeah. N- the shit of nightmares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, um, they either breathe through their nose or sometimes their skin when they're feeling funky fresh, but they don't need oxygen all the time to stay alive, which is crazy. Okay. Um, so... What's weird about their anatomy, um, aside from every fucking thing I just said, is that they have four hearts, but one nostril. Yeah. Like Kevin what do you Spacey. Get? That's not okay. Like Kevin Spacey? <laughs> what? <laughs> in what? K-Pax? I, or real life? I, in real life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Kevin Spacey. Just like Kevin Someone Spacey. spread a rumor that Kevin Spacey is a, a hagfish in a human suit. I mean, it would explain certain things. It would explain most things, I would argue. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, bold choice, yeah, Camille. So, uh, I think it's a bold choice to only have one fucking nostril but have four goddamn hearts. That's a It's bold because choice. they feel so much. Is it? No. <laughs> so when you agitate them, they tie themselves in a knot and slime all over the damn place. That's how they get out of pickles. They just release insane amounts of slime mm-hmm. to the point that they either can slide away or whatever is touching them is like, no, thank you. There are some scientists that believe that they can slime enough to fill a five gallon bucket in minutes. That is gross. It's the definition of gross. Um, they are... Okay, so so. what's crazy about them as sea creatures, and this is true about a lot of sea creatures, but these guys, even more so. They, they're basically living dinosaurs. So they're basically like a dinosaur zombie parasite. Like, they haven't changed in 300 million years. 
Okay. That's well, insane. So they, but, but I need to know, like, so you say they're a parasite, they latch on to things? So they okay, used wait, wait, to wait. I'm not, hold latch on, hold on, hold on, hold on. to dinosaurs we're not there yet we're not there yet we're not there yet i'm just trying to i'm teasing we're not there yet okay Um, they're old what's crazy about the fact that they've so because they've been the same for 300 million years they they are an actual living dinosaur and i guess no one talks about that because they are so incredibly phallic uh we don't actually know whether they lost their spine through evolution which is more likely or whether they just precede the evolution of spinal columns altogether. Wow. So, right. An interesting debate. I would love to meet the scientists that sit around debating that. Um, So here is why I keep referring to them as parasites and zombies, even though they are neither of those things on paper. They are uh, scavengers. So they eat primarily weak or dead creatures, and they actually help keep the ocean uh, clean-ish by feeding off of carcasses on the ocean floor. Why I kept throwing those labels around is because, and this is the terrifying part, because they do this to live creatures sometimes too. They eat face first by burrowing into their food and eating it from the inside. Oh. Even if it's alive. Oh. And, yeah. No. 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 No on about five different levels. And if they get full, if they get full while they're inside, Mm -hmm. they'll just fucking chill there until they digest, and then they'll go back to what they were doing. Yeah. Just like Kevin Spacey. Just like Kevin Spacey. Should should I edit out both of those jokes or just keep them in? Are are they? In Why would you taste? edit them out? Do you think Kevin Spacey's going to listen to this? Send his legal team after us for defamation of character? I mean, he already fucked up so badly. He did. I don't think we have to worry about him. I would leave that joke in because yeah. I I still don't understand why he's the one you thought of <laughs> to um, have only one nostril but four hearts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's. See, you know, in uh, Unusual Suspects at the end when he starts walking differently? Yeah. Yeah. That's a metaphor for his entire life. (laughs) Still don't understand how that relates to four hearts and one nostril, but I'm going to let you have this. (laughs) I'm going to let you have this one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well... Should I tell you about um, about my thing, Mel? Yeah, sure. All right. I'm going to tell you about the most successful pirate in history. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, um, think of the most famous or infamous pirate you can think of and tell me their name. Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Blackbeard was Edward Teach. He had one ship with hundreds of pirates. Okay. Well, he had a really good PR team. Right? Well, so here's the thing about uh, Blackbeard and many of the other pirates that you and I have heard of, like Calico Jack, for example, the pirate that... I haven't heard of that guy. 
but you have heard of Jack Sparrow. Well, yeah. Who is based on... Is he based on him? Based on Calico Jack. And cool. all of these pirates are both British and operated in the Atlantic during the golden era of piracy, which is like about 1700 to 1800. So this pirate, the most successful... It was a century, the golden age of piracy? You got it. Oh, man. One age... What a time. A very ripe old age for piracy. Now, as the sun was setting on the golden age of piracy in the Atlantic, there rose to power someone who controlled over 300 ships. That's more than the Spanish Armada, Blackbeard, Sir Francis Drake, all combined powers fewer than her. And historians didn't even have the courtesy to record her birth name. We know her as Ching Shi, meaning Ching's widow. Um, and oh, what? That's some sexist fucking bullshit. It is some sexist fucking bullshit. Now, a very popular belief around her birth name is Shi Young, which is... Wait, what's her pirate name again? Ching Shi. That was... Her pirate name is the name of her fucking husband? It... Wait, I thought you said it was... I thought... Okay, sorry. I, I'll stop screaming. Please continue. Well, no, it's it's fair to scream about this. I'm screaming. <laughs> I hear that. I've scrapped. I mean, uh, at, at the time, this practice is likened to calling someone um, Mrs. Johnson, for example. Oh, I see. In, but in, in time and place, in... Cantonese or Mandarin and then translated into modern English, uh, Ching Shi becomes Ching's widow. Um, and before, before continuing with this story, I have to shout out the History Chicks, which is like my favorite source that I used. Uh, they have an hour-long episode on this historic badass. Also, I'm going to be butchering every name pronunciation and i apologize um uh, and i'm gonna pause for a sec because i have a roommate coming in okay oh well never mind this might still work okay so back to ching Shi. first historical evidence of her places her as a 20 something year old sex worker on a floating brothel in guangdong province which is near modern day hong kong um, and a popular theory is that she used her position as a sex worker to spy. So she would obtain and sell economic, political, and military secrets through her work. Um, and this leads to the most plausible origin for her partnership with Chang Yi, her husband who ultimately she becomes named after. And that's that he had a strategic partnership slash relationship with her long before they joined forces in piracy and married on the high seas. She sounds unbelievably dope. Um, yes, I know. I hear. It is. Um, and I'm pausing again for... Yeah. When she marries Ching Yi, she negotiated for control of half of his pirate empire... In writing, 
with witnesses. Ching and his cousin were in an infamous mercenary force operating on behalf of Vietnamese rebels, and they were called the Petty Pirates. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I take their label. It's been dead for over a century. Um, and around that same time that they got married, they adopted Ching Yi's second-in-command and lover, Chang Po Tsai. Wait, she adopted him? They, as a married couple, adopted Chang Po Tsai. Her lover. His lover slash second-in-command who he had kidnapped as a 15-year-old fishing boy. Hot. I can only imagine the role play. <laughs> right? Like, however progressive you might feel about your romantic situation, you are not... Not that. Yeah, you're not prenup with your pirate husband slash business partner and adopt his side boy at the same time progressive. Amazing. All right. I have a new aspiration. Do you? Don't worry about it. Okay. So Ching Shi was um, that progressive. And shortly <laughs> after that marriage, Ching's cousin and the co-leader of the Petty Pirates was beheaded by the Vietnamese government. Okay. That's unfortunate. Well... So is, so is my chosen location. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm just going to move. Just to recap, Ching Shi has married Ching Yi. They adopted Chung Po Tsai, meaning Chung the kid. Um, and they adopted him. It was common practice for adults to adopt adults at the time in that place as oh, a means. I want that. I who want someone to adopt me? Who do you need to I'm adopt doing. you? An adult, yeah, a more adultier adult who? than I. Um, uh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, this is a call for you to adopt Jenna Cannell, circa circa eighteen hundreds Chinese pirate style, where if you yes. die, she inherits your empire. So. So that's the attic of a townhome. <laughs> I, Copy. I guess. Lucky Kate. I guess. I mean, All that's. Right. Okay. Back on track. Ching Shi and Ching Yi adopted Chung Po Tsai so that if both of them died, Chung Po Tsai would take over the Red Fleet or the Petty Pirates. Yes. Ching, yeah. Got it. So, um, Petty and, pirates. and shortly after their marriage, Ching's cousin, the co-leader of the Petty Pirates, was beheaded by the Vietnamese government. And this led to a short period of uncertainty for Ching Yi, Chung Po Tsai, and Ching Shi, because the mercenary force, the Petty Pirates, broke up and they began fighting amongst themselves for control over smaller and smaller shipping routes in the South China Sea. That is until Ching Shi and Ching Yi called a meeting of all the pirates. 
and they proposed a truce and treaty offering a means of cooperation between these 1,500 pirates. Um, and, Damn. Right? And when they created this treaty and truce, there were six different pirate fleets operating together, and they all went by an identifiable color. And that was the first rule of the truce. All pirate vessels who are part of this union must fly minimum one identifiable flag, and they're not allowed to switch colors to make it more convenient to them. So they had the red, black, blue, green, yellow, and white fleets, and they each had specific territories based on their color. And rule two was stay in your fucking territory. Don't. Rule three was don't talk about the petty pirates. <laughs> well, the petty pirates are over. The moment that, so the petty pirates. Lame. Yeah, well, they were I'm a not hired, fucking interested anymore. They were, a, oh, come on, man. Look, the petty pirates the were petty cool. Pirates. Don't get me wrong. But they were just some number of hundred pirates acting as mercenaries for Vietnamese rebels. And the moment that the Vietnamese government squashed that rebellion and killed one of the two leaders of those pirates, it was game over for the petty pirates. Now, this new wave is the beginning of the empire that leads Ching Shi to her infamy. And bear in mind that she is arguably the mastermind for this union. And she's also the chief financial officer of this union of pirates. So the, she's the CFO of the pirate union. Yes. She there. One of one of the rules is report to the union what you take. So all of these pirates are looting. They're stealing things. They're extorting people. They have to submit a ledger to the chief bursar of their fleet and then that bursar must report to her. And, wow, that's and, all very legit. Yeah. Where did they get this reputation for not doing things like that? What do you mean? Like, no one thinks of pirates and is like, yep, those guys definitely unionized. Well... They have inventory. Well, you also... That's, that's because, like, the... The publicized image of a pirate comes from the gold, the British golden age of piracy. And this is a totally different and far more successful pirate model. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and it's, it's worth noting that they, they created a court and a policing system to ensure that these rules were followed. They were very aware that they're dealing with pirates because they are pirates and they know all the tricks of the trade. And they're like, don't fucking, we know what you want to do. We know you want to switch flags and end up in our territory and your territory not going to happen. Um, and not only that, but the Union created a system of welfare for pirates who struck on hard luck. So if you have a pirate ship that, you know, the government... That's coronavirus? 
yeah, coronavirus or Barry Barry or a government cracks down hard and you scurvy. lose. Yeah, scurvy, whatever it might be. Um, the pirate union loans you money until you are able to pay it back. Fucking amazing. Right? That's more than I can say for my union. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just kidding. I love you, union of mine. <laughs> <clears throat> They're definitely listening to this bullshit. They're totally listening. Um, so, so business boomed for these pirates because this was the age of European and American merchant ships exporting tea and spices from the from the Chinese coast and smuggling in opium and the nice. bu- the bureaucrats actually demanded that all merchant ships go through very specific canals and so these pirates knew exactly where the merchant ships were going to be the pirate confederacy extorted these merchant ships by spilling blood until nearly every city um, and every harbor along this coast had signed protection contracts with one of the six fleets. Over those six years since this truce was proposed, they expanded tenfold, the Red Fleet specifically. So it went from 1,500 to 15,000 pirates. And their families are living on these ships as well. So it's 15,000 pirates, but likely near to 30,000 people just in this one fleet, this one union. So it's like a floating nation. Um, So like a cruise ship, but like cool. But several, several ships. These are vessels. A fleet of cruise ships. Yeah, they were stolen from the Portuguese, the English, and the Americans and retrofitted with cannons. And you have uh, just a whole society on the seas with its own, with its own courts, with its... Maritime law. Yeah. Um, and the Chinese government struggled to deal with this. In fact, several cities um, on the coast decided to burn their city and move inland in order to escape the influence of these pirates. And <laughs> just just the worst neighbors. And what the pirates the did is they stole smaller ships and they went up the river to then influence these same cities, these same poor people who fled inland still had to deal with these fuckers. Like, you Hmm. can't... Are you sure they weren't still the petty pirates? Sounds pretty petty to me. (laughs) (laughs) She has two sons with Ching Yi, and he ends up either shot or thrown overboard during battle. Uh, Some say that she did it. I doubt it. But directly after he dies, she takes full command 
and renegotiates Hell her yeah. her rule with the other fleet commanders. And to cement her control of the fleet, she initiates a sexual relationship with Chung Po Tsai, the adopted son, former lover of Ching Yi, oh and second in command of the Red Fleet. Oh my God! What? What is make her this personal life? Her personal life is is something else. This is some like Maori, fucking Jerry Springer. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. I mean, I was gonna say Woody Allen, but yeah, Jerry Springer. Yeah, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit of that, a little, little sprinkle. <clears throat> little column A, little column B. This <laughs> is. Uh, so, at at the height of her power, about a year later, she commanded forty thousand pirate warriors. Chinese naval officers would often hide or look the other way as her unionized pirates went by. And there's um, there's evidence that a few of them would sabotage their own ships so as not to face the overwhelming numbers of her fleet. Oh, my God. Amazing. Um, and her twilight years began when the leader of the Black Fleet retreated from the pirate union, taking 6,000 pirates with him. After that, and with mounting political pressure from China, she knew that she couldn't maintain this pirate empire forever. It had just gone from 40,000 people to 34,000, and it wasn't, it wasn't looking great. And so... She and several other unarmed pirates came to Canton to negotiate the surrender slash dissolution of the Red Flag fleet, which is a really bold move because there were orders to kill her on site and she just walks up unarmed and she's like, hey, I want to talk to you. Amazing. They need to make a movie about this chick. They have. In 2017, they made a movie about Ching Shi. There have been a few books written about her. She's really amazing. What's the movie called? I think it's called Ching Shi. Queen of Canton is what you're thinking of, I believe. Oh, that's the name of the movie? That's a TV movie. There you go. Anyway. So um, she negotiates with the government for two full days, and she ends up getting amnesty for her entire fleet, uh, money for her and Chung Po Tsai to resettle. And, what a negotiator. Right? Wow. And he is made an admiral in the Chinese Navy, and ends up, like, with a very decorated career as a pirate hunter in the Chinese Navy after this. Um, and all she had to do was give them 350 of the quote-unquote worst offenders. So oh, I wow. pity anyone who pissed her off that week. And the official who negotiated the surrender demanded that she and Chung Po Tsai publicly bow to him, and they were like, uh-uh. So 
he offered to marry them a ceremony that would include their bowing to him, and they reluctantly agreed. So this Chinese official um, dissolves their adoption and marries them. And uh, rumors have it that when she retired, she created a casino and gambling empire. But there's oh nothing... There's no, there's no historical evidence of that. There are a lot of legends that surround her. The, the last we hear of her was her trying to pull a grift on the government, uh, saying that the government owed Chung Po Tsai a certain amount of land and property that the government simply didn't. And so the case was simply dismissed. But that's the last we heard of her. And... She dies of natural causes, a legal citizen of China, and likely a grandmother. Oh my god. The end. So guys, we had an interview set up this month with Elvis. Um, turns out he's like super dead. So instead, we have his ghost sneezing. 